Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Tuesday afternoon uh, on the show today. Get into some basketball talk. Texas versus a rival tonight in basketball, women's basketball against that same rival tomorrow night. So we'll get more into those games. Uh, a lot of news happening in the NBA. A coach with the second best record in the East was fired today. And uh, they haven't even talked to the guy that they think they want to replace him. We'll get into all the NBA talk as well. Some NFL hirings happening. Another big name could be close to being hired as well. We'll get into all of that, plus a whole lot more, including your text messages. 512-447-3776 is the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. If you guys want to join the show, you guys drive it. I just try to keep it on the rails. And what that means is whatever you guys want to talk about, we try to get to everybody's text here on the show, talk about your questions, uh, talk about what you want to go into, your hot takes, anything you got, send those in on the text line. Plus, we'll do the big fat poll of the day. But all day long, whatever you guys want to talk about, send that in the text line, and we try to get to everyone's text here on the Sports Complex. A little bit of Texas news uh, to clean up, and I did not. I meant to do this before the show, and I just looked down at the sheet of paper, and I've realized I did not do what I needed to do before the show. There were some other things going on, and maybe I didn't have enough time to do prep, but should have looked this up. I meant to look this up. <laughs> Texas gets another commitment, uh, and I can't pronounce his name. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, I'm going to go with Teolia Savia. I'm going to go with that. It's a defensive lineman, 6'4", 305. Uh, He's a three-star commit uh, from Las Vegas. He is a senior transfer from Arizona, had played uh, under Johnny Nansen there at Arizona, but helping get some more depth at that defensive line. Uh, He may not be a star player that you're going to be trying to get in there, but another guy that fits in with what Johnny Nansen is going to want to do with those uh, defensive linemen. 
you know, he was the def- he's a linebacker coach for Texas, but he did work with the defense. He worked with everybody clearly because he was the defensive coordinator uh, at Arizona. He is the co DC at Texas. So uh, that is your commitment today from Texas in the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, we'll see if anybody else from Arizona gets in that transfer portal and comes over. I've not heard a lot of movement on that. Uh, but we're also still, there could be a hiring in the NFL today or tomorrow that would open up another transfer portal uh, opening for Texas. Uh, there is also a little bit of news in the NFL we'll get to in the 5 o'clock hour, but it may explain more of why Texas does not have a defensive line coach yet. Uh, some interesting movement from the Texans that may explain that, but we'll get into that in the 5 o'clock hour. But uh, Texans still, the, the Longhorns still do not have a defensive line coach right now, to so to speak of. So that is a problem of, or the issue of why Texas may not be getting more defensive line recruits uh, right now in transfers. Uh, we're also getting, uh, let's get into some college basketball talk uh, because uh, Texas is playing Oklahoma tonight. And that's where we'll get to the big fat poll. will be about OU because, you know, we get Texas men's versus OU tonight. We get Texas women's against OU tomorrow night. Uh, to lo- uh, recap a little bit of last night first to clean up the business from last night. Uh, in the Big 12, Cincinnati went to number seven, Kansas. Kansas has had some struggles as of late. They have lost to a couple of the teams Texas lost to in UCF in West Virginia. So Kansas trying to turn it around does get to a win against Cincinnati. It was a close game throughout the entire game, and we've seen Kansas maybe going to their freshman, Johnny Furphy. Not a, it's not a great basketball name. Johnny Furphy is the guy they may be going to more. He ends up being the star of the game, hitting a big three late to uh, clinch the game for Kansas, put it up to a 10-point lead where since he's not able to get back into it enough. Uh, but Johnny Furphy, he's a 6'9 freshman guard from Australia, he put up 23 and 11 last night, went seven for eight from the field, uh, three for four from three, just played a really big game for Kansas. And if that's a guy that you're able to pull up and he becomes a star player for Kansas this year, uh, you know, to have that size and that ability with the handles and the shots could be big for Kansas as they've had some problems with Hunter Dickinson and, uh, you know, some of the other players just not being able to step up to the plate so far this season and and shooting hasn't been there the defense is okay but it hasn't been fully what it needs to be so you don't necessarily want to have to rely on a a freshman that wasn't necessarily the top recruit coming in but Johnny Furphy had a huge game and if he can continue to grow in this Kansas uh, Kansas offense uh, that'll be someone to look out for the uh, and he blame me he looks all of a freshman he's 6'9 so he's big but very baby-faced kid from Australia in Johnny Furphy. That's a name you should know uh, in Big 12 basketball. Uh, Texas does take on Oklahoma tonight. Uh, this is a game for Texas that is a a real big game. You know, you get the win over Baylor, which is a number nine Baylor. You're playing number 11 Oklahoma now. Gives you a little bit more of a chance to solidify that maybe the the, the rocky start to the beginning of Big 12 was not indicative of where this team can go. So you get a huge opportunity to that night against uh, tonight against a rival. Uh, but it is a road game against a really good team and a very, very good defensive team in Oklahoma. Uh, they have some guards that are going to give Texas some, some problems that are just a little bit bigger than Texas guards, where Tyrese Hunter is probably around six foot, and Max Aismas not much bigger than that. Uh, so if we put that in, and I.T. Horton is not a huge guy either, 
that the guard play for Oklahoma, they'll be able to get into them, put hands up, and cause some problems on the three-point line. And that's where Texas is going to have to be able to start getting inside. You're going to have to be able to space. You're going to be able to have to move without the ball. Dylan DeSue early, if he can stay out of foul trouble and get inside and get some points inside to help open up, make them help off of those outside guys to give Max A. Smith and Tyrese Hunter a little bit better of a shot will be big. If Dylan Mitchell is going to be able to not be somebody that has played so far off of that they can just keep helping off Dylan Mitchell, I think you're going to see Dylan Mitchell kind of be sent away from some of the spots where Dylan DeSue is tonight where you send him to the other side of the court. So if they're trying to help off him, uh, you can get the ball around and move the ball around and you know make the defense switch over to help and use their instincts against them to try and get some big baskets uh, for Texas tonight. But it's going to be an uphill uh, battle for Texas. Uh, Javion McMullen is your high scorer for Oklahoma. 15 points per game for him. Uh, they kind of spread the ball around pretty well offensively there's no one on this team that I think is going to kill you they have a couple of three-point shooters you're gonna have to watch out for uh Texas can play good enough three-point defense I know against Baylor they definitely did in the first half uh but this is a game in a rivalry game for Rodney Terry where you know you understand what it means you understand you know the flag you're getting right now that you're a first four team out in the in the brackets and you know you haven't gotten the wins and even though you get a big win at home you have not been able to win on the road, losing a game to West Virginia that you really should not have lost. Uh, you beat a Cincinnati team that is, that's better than people thought they were, but you're going to have to be able to compete in going against this Oklahoma team. So, per example, defense is going to be tough. Can you score against one of the more elite defenses in college basketball? Texas' shooting percentage is pretty through the roof right now. They're a top shooting team in, in college basketball, but is that a – benefit of the preseason schedule is that a benefit of some lopsided wins early in the season or is it what you can continue in big 12 play we know they continued it in the first half of last night can you keep your energy up you know we've talked about the strength and conditioning a bit too for this Texas team if they're going to be able to keep that up uh, but look for them tonight uh, and a big thing you're gonna have to watch out for this is a team in Oklahoma that gets to the free throw line and they hit their free throws so they're going to be coming right at Dylan DeSue and trying to get him in foul trouble because they know if they get him off the court, that is a huge help for any of these teams. And it's going to be a common thread you'll see for the rest of the season in the Big 12 is let's go straight at Dylan DeSue and try and bump him and see if we can get him to pick up one of those silly fouls. Let's you know bounce around, and if we get him on the help, pump fake, get him to get in the air and jump underneath him and, and get that foul that everyone hates watching, but they it's a foul, so you have to call it. Those types of plays are what you're going to be watching for early in the game. As you know, if Dylan DeSue can stay out of foul trouble, Texas has a really good shot in this game. If they get him into foul trouble early, it's going to rely more on Max A. Smith coming out and having a huge game. Tyrese Hunter stepping up on the road, which has not been his forte. Uh, he's been a much better player at home than he's ever been on the road, so that'll be something that he'll have to work on, uh, continue to work on. Dylan Mitchell, can he create and, and get points off the dribble and get to the basket uh, when guys are spreading the court a little bit more. And if they play off of him, can he use athleticism to get a head start downhill and get some big plays? And what does Shedrick do off the bench? If Shedrick can play the minutes and, you know, play 15 to 20, uh, a really solid minutes, uh, getting some moves in the post, I just think against this Oklahoma team, your guard, the guard play for this Oklahoma team and guard defense has been really good. And relying on Max Aismas to bail you out in this game may not be the best way 
to go against an Oklahoma team at Oklahoma. Uh, but we'll see. Dylan Nassu can stay out of foul trouble. This Texas team has a shot tonight uh, against number 11, Oklahoma. And I know nobody wants to hear a shot against Oklahoma. They have turned things around pretty quickly there. You can do that with the transfer portal now. Uh, and they're playing really good, uh, really good basketball right now. Also on the docket tonight, number four Houston at number twenty-one BYU. We should be a fun matchup. Houston held UCF to insane lows on the offensive end last game. They only hit three shots within the three-point arc, three layups. They were all in the second half. They hit seven shots in total in that game. Seven scored the rest of their points at the free throw line. But Houston just played them tough the entire game. But BYU has one of the best offenses, not only in the Big 12, but in college basketball. Can this BYU offense continue to score against Houston? They say defense travels. We'll see if it travels tonight. Uh, Houston versus BYU tonight in college basketball. Remember, the text line is open 512-447-3776. Moving over to the NBA, we'll clean up some stuff from last night before we get into the big news of a big trade and a big firing in the NBA. Uh, Spurs lose to the 76ers, 133-123. to uh, It was fun matchup, though, to watch Wimby versus Embiid. Uh, Embiid won, by the way. Embiid won that matchup, hands down. Uh, Wimby got into foul trouble. Embiid just knew how to kind of get him in those positions. But a great learning experience for a young man to go up against the reigning MVP who's playing like an MVP again this season. Uh, really good learning experience for Wimby on how to play that type of defense, how to go in against a guy that's bigger than you and stronger than you, uh, but not taller than you. No one's really going to be taller than Wimby. Uh, use your length. Don't get caught up in the air. You know, if you're seven three, you don't necessarily need to jump on everything because you you're going to be able to you know affect shots even if you're flat footed. Uh, but he does still put up thirty three and seven in the game and twenty eight minutes of play. He does get in foul trouble, which limited the amount of he could play. And he's on a minutes restriction, so twenty eight minutes is kind of the max he was going to play anyway. Uh, but he got to get pulled out in some crucial moments. Seventy uh, six are able to pull away, but Embiid goes crazy seventy and eighteen in thirty seven minutes for Joel Embiid, putting up seventy points there. You know he just started going early. He really wanted to. He, he said, "Give me the ball against the young man." And he wanted to make a point to go after uh, Wimby, and he sure did. And when Zach Collins came in to try and spell him, it did not go any better. Uh, they didn't really have any answer for him. And so they just kept feeding the rock to Embiid all game long, and he puts up 70 against the Spurs in a loss there. Uh, the Celtics do take out the Mavs as well, 119-110. to And this was really Tatum versus Doncic, and Doncic just didn't get the help around him. Uh, Tatum goes for 39 and 11. Doncic's 33 and 18. And I mean, both shot a lot of free throws, 19 free throws. Jason Tatum shoots in that game. They're going downhill. Uh, but since Doncic uh, has returned to the lineup, we saw Irving playing really well without him. And I'm not sure they've quite merged back into it. Uh, I have to find a way to get Irving more involved in this lineup. You know, I know it's difficult. Doncic is a very ball heavy guy and he wants to be the guy on the field, on the court, but you know, it's been an issue for Doncic's entire career. Can you win with one guy being the main guy? You know, you really like to see Kyrie Irving get the ball a little bit more in these games uh, and have him, you know, let Doncic get a little bit of rest away from the ball but still be a threat to hit some shots. That's something that they're going to have to continue to work on as the season goes on. Tonight, you're going to see Knicks at Nets and Lakers at Clippers. If you like seeing inner city rivalries, 
both games tonight on TNT, so fun stuff there to check out. Uh, big news, though, from the NBA. The first one you've got to see is Terry Rozier traded to Miami for Kyle Lowry and a protected first-round pick. Depending on the protection on this first-round pick, a great trade for Miami. I think it's a pretty good trade, even if it's not that protected. Uh, but getting Terry Rozier, he's a really good player. He's been on not the best team. You know, those types of players, when you get them on trades, they're you know, sometimes – it's a little bit difficult to figure out where they fit in, and sometimes you know they've been putting up big numbers somewhere but not somewhere else. But the Miami Heat have an ability to get guys into a system, use them to the fullest of their abilities, no matter where they came from, no matter what the situation before, they do tend to use them to the best of their abilities. So there may be a little bit of a uh, warming period for this Miami team because, you you know, Rozier is just going to take a little bit for him to get used to how – the Heat play basketball, how much the effort they're going to want from him on the defensive end, the question of where he's going to fit in the lineup uh, with a Tyler Hero coming off the bench and then uh, Jimmy Butler and are you playing him more at the one or the two and how do you want to use him at the guard? How much time does he actually get with the ball in his hands versus playing off ball? Uh, all going to be things that he's going to have to adapt to that he didn't necessarily have to adapt to uh, in Charlotte because, well, in Charlotte too, it's when LaMelo Ball's playing, it's going to be in LaMelo's hands and Rozier's going to get it second. Uh, but I really like the trade. It's one of those trades, you're giving up a Kyle Lowry who you weren't really using. He's just, his, his best days are behind him. Uh, and so you're able to get somebody good in there that, you know, just for not that much, for basically a first-round pick and you got to dump Kyle Lowry's salary, you're able to go out and get a player who at times has looked – extremely dynamic, uh, looks to be a real high-level scorer at a lot of points, and if you can get his defense up a little bit higher, use his athleticism in those ways, then this is a huge trade for Miami to bring in some help after they whiff on Dame Lillard, after they're not able to get past Gall Siakam, and it feels like you're just kind of missing on a lot of these trades. To go out and get the job done to bring in a Terry Rozier is a great trade for Miami. I, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I definitely think they've won the trade, and it's it's really just bringing a guy that you feel is underperformed in a market where he just, you know, that Charlotte team's just been really bad for a long time. And I think Charlotte, too, they're looking like they're basically with new ownership now in the in the realm of a rebuild. And I know nobody ever wants to say the word rebuild in sports now because fan bases hate it. But, you know, and especially when you're already bad, when they're like, well, we want to rebuild. It's like, from what? It's already broken. It's just a build. There's no re if you're Charlotte. It's no rebuild. It's just they build. Uh, they they re-sign Lamelo, which you're gonna re-sign. You can end up trading him if you want or not. Uh, but you know Gordon Hayward, they could probably try and ditch his salary as well if someone else wants to go pick up Gordon Hayward. You have Miles Bridges, which is a question because of his off the court things, but is definitely a good player on that team. Uh, you know, there's some other pieces you can put on that Charlotte team that uh, they may be making some more moves. They want to acquire picks. And teams have picks to give up for a good player, especially once we get into February and teams are really starting to panic that none of the guys they wanted to get through. Charlotte could be a big name uh, to ditch some more people and just give their young guys some more playing time and say, hey, maybe we're moving on. Mitch Kupchak is, I believe, in his 70s now. Uh, he, They may be moving on from him. He's been the general manager for a while. May try and bring in uh, a new name over the offseason uh, to start heading up the, we don't say rebuild, the build of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, but I, I, damn, I'm grading this in A right now for Miami. We'll see how it ends up working out, but I'm a fan of the Rosier trade uh, to Miami. 
Uh, also big news out of the NBA. Adrian Griffin gets fired from the Bucks today. Somewhat out of left field, somewhat not out of left field. People that are covering the the Bucks, people that have watched a lot more Bucks than I have. I've not watched a ton of them. I've watched a few of their games this season. Uh, I guess people closer to the team feel this was somewhat inevitable that at some point this was going to happen. I don't know if they thought it was going to happen in season, uh, but to fire a coach who was thirty and thirteen, his first head coaching gig, thirty and thirteen so far. Uh, he they're the first in offense in uh, in NBA. They're second in points per game in NBA, and uh, apparently that's not enough. But a lot of people were saying that basically Adrian Griffin was the hire before they made the trade for Damian Lillard, and once they made that trade, they were never really sold on using a first-year head coach. They wanted to bring in somebody with more experience to try and get this team right to where they need to be this year, that the Adrian Griffin hire was more of a let's build this thing together and get back to where we want to be. I guess they found out that Giannis was not on the same clock that they were, so they make the trade for Dame Lillard, and it meant the the end of time that unless Adrian Griffin automatically day one knew how to be a veteran coach, which is very difficult to do. He basically the writing was on the wall from day one. Uh, the right the name right now that everyone is mentioning uh, for Texas or for sorry for the Bucks is Doc Rivers. That they haven't even reached out to him yet. Apparently, so according and I guess you know you have to say that whether it's true or not. But uh, all reports are that Doc Rivers, if he wants the job, would be the leading candidate to take over the Milwaukee Bucks with Dame Lillard, with Giannis, uh, you know, and this this is going to be the question, is if they do get a veteran coach in, will Giannis finally be happy? He did not seem to be happy with Coach Bud, that he wasn't happy that he wasn't the guy that was getting every play when they were going down. He wasn't happy that, you know, they didn't necessarily have the help and he wanted to bring in somebody else. They go get Dame. He, had, he clearly wasn't happy with Adrian Griffin, who was a friend of his, but he wasn't happy with him being the coach. Uh, so it, this is starting to build a narrative for Giannis that he could start being somebody who wants to have more say in everything that's done, and he wants his guys, and he wants to work with the best. And And if you're not bringing me the best to win a title every year, I don't come here to not win. And I think we're going to see that with some of the more you know, foreign players where they just don't necessarily have the mindset of oh, you're not going to win a title every year. Their mindset is, I want to win the title every year, and if we're not doing everything we can, it's clearly not my fault, so everyone else has to go and we'll start over, which you can't do. Sometimes you just got to take it, and especially if you're a small market team like Milwaukee. But when you have Dame Lillard and you have Giannis, there's going to be people out there looking for that job and people willing to take it. It'll be interesting to see if Doc Rivers wants to take that job for Milwaukee. But that right now, Adrian Griffin, 30-13 and 13 as a head coach, not good enough. Second in the East to a Celtics team that is playing out of this world. Not good enough. There was reports that that uh, Giannis was drawing plays up on the sideline on a sheet of paper yesterday, and that that was that was the end of it for Adrian Griffin. That if Giannis is having to draw up plays now, then no good. You got to go get a real coach who knows what he's doing. Even though Doc Rivers was, I watched an interview with him. We're telling where Rondo used to draw up plays for him. So I don't know. I it's well, we'll see. Uh, this is. You know, Milwaukee has been over backwards for Giannis so far, and it, they've got a title. And as long as he stays there, that continues to make them a top team. I get it. Uh, I, I, I'm not sold on firing a coach, 30 and 13 coach, without already having your guy in line. Because if Doc Rivers turns it down, where do you start to go with this coaching search? 
Where's the guy that you say is this super veteran that's going to be able to come in and immediately win you a title? You call him Phil Jackson. So if they hired Doc Rivers, I get it. You know, he's had issues clearly in Philadelphia. He wasn't able to get him over the hump. I don't know if I'm going to say he's the great coach that wins everything. Again, I'll say he had Rondo drawing up plays for him in, in Boston when he won the title. So I don't know if he's the be-all, end-all, but that's apparently who they're looking at in Milwaukee. All right. Before we get to break, let's do a big fat poll of the day. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Text lines open 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776. And since Texas versus OU is twice this week, I thought I'd ask you, and we can get some of these out if you want to throw them in there. What's your best OU joke? What's your best Sooner joke? Since we got Texas OU tonight at 6, we have Texas versus OU tomorrow night women's basketball as well. We're getting a double shot at Texas OU this week. What's your best Sooner joke? We got to make some OU jokes, right? It's not just for football. We can make them for basketball, so send those in on the text line, 512-447-3776. If you got any takes on the the Bucks firing their coach, the Terry Rozier trade, anything else you want to put in there, or the big game tonight against Oklahoma, you can put that in. Uh, also, uh, MLB Hall of Fame, the announcement should be coming, I believe, at 5 o'clock today, so we'll keep you updated with that of who may get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, for Astros fan Billy Wagner, is on that ballot. We'll see if he gets in as well. Uh, we'll reset everything at 5 o'clock and a lot of NFL news happening. Some more could be happening during the show. We'll see. 512-447-3776 is the text line, though. What's your best OU joke? Anything else you want to talk about, send it in on the text line. Until we get back on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex. <laughs> the horn On Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Tuesday afternoon. Lots of news happening in the NBA. College basketball, big game tonight against the Sooners. We're asking you on the big fat poll of the day, 512-447-3776. What is your favorite Sooner joke? Send that one in over there. Uh, also, uh, we are getting in to some NFL talk, some uh, more NBA talk, more uh, baseball talk today, too. The Hall of Fame should be announced at 5 o'clock today. That's what I've been told. So we will see if uh, we can get into that and get some uh, some good baseball. See if they let anybody on the Hall of Fame. The worst Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. I know that's a, that's a hot take on that one. 
I think they're they're way too judgy in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm much more a fan of letting more people in. I know some people aren't, but I think you can rank them in the Hall of Fame and have it different, but to just pretend that only certain people, like they, to have super judgmental and people that should be Hall of Famers not getting in, uh, and then the whole steroid thing is going to be a problem when there was other guys that cheated before that and they got in, but it was a different type of cheating. You don't know how much cheating was done, and history is going to tell a weird uh, world of it. I used to, I'm not a huge fan of how it's done, uh, I think the NFL is probably the best, and I like the NFL. I like the NBA's more than MLB's, just because it is just so such a skewed, weird way of how baseball is viewed by some of these writers. But that's just my opinion, and uh, and baseball does not care, so they're going to do it their way. Uh, let's talk uh, a little bit of NFL with hook him up with Ian Robbie. Text line's rolling right now. Keep sending in those jokes. We're going to get to those in just a minute, but I want to play some sound uh, from hook him up and Ian Robbie this morning. Talking, uh, Rod had some good notes about the NFL and some new hirings. We'll get into it when we talk about it at five with you guys on the text line. But I just want to give you a little, uh, little talk here from uh, a hook em up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, now I wanted to get into a few NFL topics. I saw the uh, Brian Callahan uh, story that he is expected to get the head coaching job with the Tennessee Titans. Um, and it's, it got me thinking about a, uh, some research that I did not too long ago about the NFL because um, for those who uh, don't know, if you if you go look at the NFL, you go look at a lot of the I don't know the the teams, a lot of the coaching hires recently. There, mm, a lot of them are related to former coaches. A lot of them are sons, uh, you know, or former coaches, grandsons of former coaches, and. If you really do the research, because um, Brian Callahan is the son of Bill Callahan, for those who don't know. Bill Callahan was the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers at one point, head coach of the Raiders, longtime NFL head coach. And he's his son. And um, he's been the offensive coordinator and play caller for the Cincinnati Bengals since 2019. He's done a really good job. Actually, I think that the job he did with Jake Browning really started to pique the interest of NFL teams when Jake Browning – uh, was able to have some really impressive performances as the backup to Joe Burrow. The, the offense was already really good with Joe Burrow, but people weren't sure if it was just Joe Burrow playing at a really high level or if it was the scheme and the concepts that also were contributing, how much they were contributing to Joe Burrow's success. Well, pretty clear that the schemes and the concepts were definitely a big contributing factor to Joe Burrow's success when you look at Jake Browning, him coming in, and what he was able to do. So... Brian Callahan ends up getting the head coaching job, or is reportedly expects to get the head coaching job with the uh, Tennessee Titans. And, you know, the one thing I, I think that's really interesting about the NFL, you know, the NFL, I don't even know if they like this or not, or if they want to talk about it. The NFL's got a nepotism. I don't know if it's a problem, but there is a, a nepotism issue in the NFL because a lot of jobs are a really, I don't say a lot of jobs are, vacancies are 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 pretty much i would say taken by guys who have two to three degrees separation from a former head coach or a family member head coach uh this this is from two years ago this is from two years ago so it's not totally current i'm actually going to do the research to get this thing current coming up uh maybe this off season once they get done with the coaching carousel so if you go look at two years ago, I found that nine of the 32 head coaches were either sons or fathers of current or former NFL coaches, coordinators or position coaches. 
uh, that same research, I also found that 63, at the time I said this is a little old, two years old, 63 total NFL coaches, uh, including coordinators and position coaches, are bi- biologically related through mar- bi- biologically related or related through marriage to another coach. 53 of these 63 related coaches. Um, so they end up basically. You go look at a lot of the NFL. You're talking about. I mean, out of the and I went and looked at this is from 2021. So like I said, a couple of years ago. Um, 111 NFL coaches are related biologically or through marriage to current or former NFL coaches. So 111. That's like I said, a couple of years ago. I'll try to get this uh, updated as soon as I can. But out of the total 792 coaches that were employed by the NFL, 111 of them as of March of 2021 were related biologically to or related through marriage to former or current NFL coaches. That's a big number. That's like that's close to 15%. That's like a little under 15%. Um, and if you go take into assistant coaches and you take those into account too, the NFL's official coach count I think is around 822. Um, if you look at all the, the total coaches. But, I mean, I don't have to really go into the detail of them, but – Man, you guys can probably think of the top of your head a number of coaches who are, oh, man, that guy's related to this guy. Or, oh, yeah, that's, that's the son of this coach or the father of this coach. Um, the league averages 3.4 coaches per team who are related to a current or a former NFL coach. And if you go look at it, 11 of, 11 of the 32 head coaches are related to a current or a former NFL head coach. Um. And there are 24 coordinators who are related to a current or a former coach, almost a quarter of them. So the NFL in a nutshell, it's hard to get into the coaching game because it is a good old boys network, but you got to have a family member in it. That's a really good way. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much a, half the coaching game is do you have a family member, do you know somebody in the coaching game that you're related to that can make the phone call for you yeah. in the NFL? College isn't like this is why more – I think of the young coaches are going to college to start their coaching careers and then they can go back. They can go to NFL because they make the connections they need in college. Uh, but the NFL, it's a, it's a closed system. And to get, to get into it, you need, you need somebody to, to vouch for you. It's like well, the mafia. Well, you need somebody to vouch for and, you. And I would say that's, that's, that's prevalent in a lot of industries. By it the is. Way. I don't know if you saw that on uh, the NBC game on Sunday, you had uh, Chris Collinsworth in the booth and, Jack Collinsworth on the sidelines. <laughs> exactly. He's good, like 20 no, He's good, but, I you know, it. I mean, is he better than everybody? Is there – you think Chris Collinsworth made a phone call when I his kid it. was coming out of Notre Dame? Yeah. I would guess probably. Yeah. Probably didn't hurt uh, that Jack Collinsworth had, had a dad named Chris who, you know – but, again, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I don't no, I'm not either. Bad, I'm just pointing out – I I point out trends and patterns, and no, I don't I get think people it. talk about that trend and pattern enough in the NFL that basically, you know, about a quarter a, a quarter to a third of all the coaches. Well, and a lot of them have been successful because they coaches. grow up in the game. Right? Oh, yeah. No, they know. There's a Shano. There's a reason that Shano is as good as he is. Sean McVay, too. Sean McVay, he's his grandfather. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, a, grand, a, he's a third-generation Third-generation guy. Yeah, so I'm saying, there's a reason they're good. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not I'm – not, I'm not criticizing their effectiveness as a coach. Sure, 100%. Yeah, I'm not even criticizing their coaching acumen. No, actually, I would argue that, just like he said, it helps. 
when you grow up in it and you're immersed in it and ensconced in coaching when Shannon, Shannon was on the sideline of the Super Bowl when his dad is coaching uh, the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl and he's in the locker room. That, that, of course that helps you. I mean, you generations of experience in coaching, you can't quantify or you know put a price on that. But like I said, I'm just pointing out the pattern. It is a it's a clear trend in the NFL that if you are related to a coach that's coached in the league, that is gives you a, an upper hand. Well, gosh, at getting that coaching job. Sean McVay has been the youngest head coach in the league for the last five years, and he he was again this year up until the uh, the Patriots hired Gerard Mayo. He had been the youngest coach of the league. He doesn't want a Super Bowl. So, uh, obviously, Sean, Kyle Shanahan's been a, a young head coach. It, it does help. And, and here's Brian Callahan, and I'm assuming he's the son of Bill Callahan. Yes. Yes. That's yes. He's Long-time the son coach. of Bill Callahan. That's kind of what sparked. And I was like, oh, I did some research about that not too long ago. Yeah, that's good. I yeah. like it. Good stuff right there. Rod's rant. And, uh, yeah, good to, good to know somebody. That's that's a key. Um, and I would say this. I tell my kids this all the time. If you, if you like – you know, if you know somebody, you know, don't, 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 all somebody can do typically for you is, is open a door, right? And get you the meeting, get you the initial conversation. You got to take it from there, but, um, you know, don't, don't ignore the opportunity. It's, it's, it's what you know and it's who you know. It's, it's not, it's know. not what you know, it's who you know. Well, I still think you have to, you got to know some, you yeah. got to know a little yourself. bit, <laughs> but, but, you know, a lot of times getting that door open, they cracked open or that, that initial conversation can, can go a long way because it's, not always easy to get that first conversation uh, in any industry that you want to get into. So, man, that's good stuff right there. That's a big number, by the way. It's a big number. It's a big Overall, number in the, the NFL. The league averages 3.4 coaches per team who are related to a current or a former NFL coach. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, so uh, Rod's rant. We'll have another one coming up, also behind the burn orange curtain. You got another any other NFL thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I, one of the things I also want to get into, I, I don't think people are giving enough props to uh, Lamar Jackson overall. I got some numbers that I'll share in the next rant about Lamar Jackson and how great he's been. He's, he's basically this season on his way to being the greatest dual-threat quarterback in the history of the NFL. I think Steve Young is the greatest dual-threat quarterback of all time. Steve Young's got two, what, two MVPs, got a Super Bowl ring as a starter. In the Hall that's, of Fame, of course. In the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's what Lamar Jackson's missing. If Lamar Jackson wins the second MVP, he's going in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's got a Super Bowl ring as a starting quarterback in the NFL to really change the narrative about him as a quarterback. And I think this season is the best season, best shot he's had at getting that Super Bowl ring. If he gets it, his stats will ultimately put him past Steve Young as the greatest dual-threat quarterback of all time. There's, there's no doubt. It, honestly, nobody's going to be even close to him if he, when, when he wins the MVP and if he wins the Super Bowl. He'll be the greatest dual-threat quarterback of all time. That's my hypothesis, but I'll prove it because I got the numbers to back it up, and we'll get into that in, in Rod's you know, next rant of the day. We'll get into that in Well, I mean, and it's, you know, last year, we were talking about Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes is off to the greatest start to a career of any player in a North American sports history, right? I mean, that yes. is – Six straight. As a starting quarterback, he's made he's made the AFC Championship game at least in every year that he started as a quarterback. Six in a row, and he's made it to. He's trying to get to another Super Bowl, and he's only 27 years old or 28 years old. It's crazy, right? What he's done already. Lamar Jackson's in a similar realm. If he can get to the Super Bowl and win that Super Bowl this year with this Ravens team, I mean, Roddy won the Heisman Trophy, the Maxwell Award, the Walter Camp Award in college. He's got two MVPs now by 27 in the NFL. 
And as you were saying, what he needs is that – I mean, that, how would you argue who has a better resume as the dual-threat quarterback if he can get to the Super Bowl this year and potentially win the Super Bowl with this Ravens team? Yeah, he would have accomplished everything Steve Young did and more yes. if he wins the Super Bowl. He'll win the MVP this year. I don't, I don't think that's even – Well, that would be – I mean, to win the Heisman, two MVPs, and then if he wins a, well, a, a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP – yeah, would be huge. Because, look, last year Patrick Mahomes, I have argued, and I don't think that uh, he did something that's never been done before. You could argue his season last year was the greatest quarterback season of all time because he led the NFL in passing yards and touchdowns in the regular season and won the MVP mm-hmm. and then won the Super Bowl and the MVP. All those things have never been done in one season. So quarterbacks have done all of those things over the course of their career, but not not in season. one year. Yeah, to lead the regular season NFL in passing yards and touchdowns, and then take your team to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl MVP in one season—that's never been done. Yeah. So last year, I, and I said it a hundred times, but appreciate that—that's never been done before. To your point, that if Lamar Jackson is you know leads this Ravens team past Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes on Sunday and into that Super Bowl, and if they win it with this completely loaded Ravens team. I mean, two MVPs, a Super Bowl, and a Heisman Trophy, and all those awards in college—that is, that's that's pretty. Yeah, that's incredible. That, yeah, that's impressive. And he's only twenty-seven years old. And he's young too. Yep, and and negotiate his own contract. Yeah, <laughs> only twenty-seven. Um, negotiate his own contract too. We got to throw that in there as well. But yeah, I, I I'll make that claim, and I think it's a a claim that uh, really hold. It, it's substantive. I think it does actually hold water. But he's got to he's got to win. He's got to win. Yeah, no question. He's got to win this this postseason. If he does, he's going to change the narrative and change really the conversation about uh, his legacy in just a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, it'll shift dramatically. Well, and it is all amazing. that stuff you just brought up. Will people start? They'll start reinforcing that over and over again when they're talking about Lamar Jackson and his legacy. Right well, now, they don't talk about it enough because he hasn't. He hasn't um, confirmed it in the postseason when it matters most in the playoffs. He's done it in the regular season. He's regular. He wins in the regular season. He's done that already. We've seen him do that. Now it's time for him to take his game to the next level and show that in the playoffs he can be an elite quarterback in the playoffs and uplift the player around him, elevate and, and separate. You know, and in this uh, immediate gratification because society, we forget quickly that, that in March of last year he, he penned an open letter to the Baltimore fans saying goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye, Baltimore. Like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not staying. Uh, that was only eight months ago? Mm-hmm. Eight months ago. Yep, and no team wanted him. Nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Nobody wanted him. I remember sitting on, on the radio show talking about this. Like, Nobody wanted Okay, him. who's not going to give up a first and a third round pick for Lamar Jackson? Nobody wanted him. Nobody. And he's going to win a second MVP this year. Uh, I, as a Houston Texans fan, and watching that, whole, that game on wire to wire last week, I want him. <laughs> He's unbelievable. You can't get the guy off the field. Uh, that is that's impressive. And there there are teams out there like the Atlanta Falcons, you know, the Washington Commanders. Saying, now who did we take with our first and our third round pick that was so much better than that guy? Come on, guys. And they're still looking for quarterbacks. What are you doing? Yeah. Like what are you doing? Yeah, oh, man, that's a great point. Yeah, still always crazy to look back at all the teams that passed on. Lamar Jackson, it, it's, it's just, it's, you know, there's always these narratives that everybody wants everybody and anybody would take them. Lamar Jackson was available for two first. That Carolina, would they rather have Bryce Young or Lamar Jackson right now? Because they gave up, you know, they, Bryce, Bryce Young's cheaper by a lot, but I don't know if you'd take him or Lamar Jackson. And, and I mean, you look at it now, Bill Belichick, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in Bill Belichick except from the Falcons as a coach. Aaron Rodgers last season. It, 
well, there wasn't a lot of interest in trading for him. The Jets were the only team that offered a trade for him, really. So it's just an interesting thing to look at in the NFL that people don't normally want to take a swing and give up a lot for a player. And for you Cowboys fans, that means that you probably are re-signing Dak because I doubt they're going to go out and try and get somebody else and I doubt that anybody's going to come and trade for Dak Prescott either or give them anything what they want, unfortunately, for you guys. That seems to be the case if you're a Dak hater. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll hit up the text line, 512-447-3776. Text line, uh, we are asking, what is your best OU joke? If you've got any takes on the Milwaukee Bucks firing their coach or the Terry Rozier trade or Texas taking on Oklahoma tonight in basketball, anything on the NFL and the suspected hirings and suspected firings and all of that, send that stuff in, 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. Whatever you want to talk about, send it on in. We're getting to your text messages next on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Keeping the party rolling on the text line. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, let's start getting to these some of these texts. My man Nate says, I like the Rosier trade. Kind of like trading for a prime Lowry. Yeah, no, I, I you are trading for your. It's definitely an upgrade from Kyle Lowry. That is 100%. Uh, I've seen some really good things from him. Uh, you see what you're able to pull off in if he's able to merge in with that heat culture. But I, I'm a fan of the trade. I'm a fan of the trade. Uh, CP53 says, off topic kind of, but watch, the blue, watch Blue Chips last night. Just a reminder, that's a great movie. Crazy to watch things through the NIL lens now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's also crazy that they had Shaq and Penny, and that's the reason why Shaq and Penny ended up together in Orlando. That Shaq was like, in Orlando, was like, we don't need C-Web that you should get this guy Penny, and then they make the trade with the Warriors, and then the Warriors sign that terrible contract with Chris Webber that just puts him in this massive hole because they draft him and trade and do all this stuff to get Chris Webber in. They sign this deal that he can opt out after one season, and he does and goes to Washington, and it just kills them for years, and then they end up with Steph Curry, and they're just fine. So just fun what-ifs in, in basketball when you look at those kind of things in blue chips. Uh, says Rondo was a rookie. He wasn't drawing up plays when they won. I think it was his second year when they won. Uh, when he they won, and I don't know if he was. This was all from. I, I wouldn't say he probably was his his second season easier either. Uh, this was from KG Confidential, I think it is, or KG Certified. The podcast with him and Paul Pierce and Doc Rivers was on it, and he was talking. They were talking about Rondo drawing up plays and, and leading the huddle and those types of things. I, I mean, it, like I know Tony Parker has done it. Lots of players do it. My point was more that good coaches allow players to draw a place too. Was more my point in that that uh, that we know that Doc Rivers talked that it's not crazy for players to draw up plays and players to want to be involved in that thing 
and the the coaching part of it. And if they feel they know on the court, they have something that could work. That's not that was more my point. But I I don't know if he was drawing them up in his second year when they won either. But uh, but I know he was at one point because that was out of the mouth of Doc Rivers. Uh, my favorite go-to OU joke, why doesn't the state of Texas fall into the Gulf of Mexico? Because OU sucks. I like it. I like it. Keep sending those OU jokes. Uh, did you hear the Oklahoma governor's mansion burned down all the way to the axles? like it. Uh, another one, uh, don't have a favorite OU joke. Just call them the sideways wagoneers. Is that is that because they continue to fall over when they're riding on the? I don't know if they do that at the basketball game. I think it'd be hilarious if they did, but I, I don't know if they do that. Uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll keep going on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Reset the uh, show at the top of the hour. We'll also get into some big NFL talk. More and more happening. MLB Hall of Fame is supposed to be announced some point during the next hour or two. We'll try and get that as soon as we see it. Uh, come down the pike. We'll try and get you that as well. All in the sports complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.